Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To all my bed crimers, I hope you guys are having a lovely weekend. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Let me just ask that after listening to this video or watching it, if you find you enjoyed it or learned something, do me a favor, smash the like button, subscribe to my channel, and leave me a comment. Now, let's dig in. 54-year-old Alec Murdoch has been in a Colton County courthouse all week for his trial. The trial is expected to last for three weeks, and Murdoch is facing two counts of first-degree blank for his wife Margaret and his son Paul's deaths on the evening of June 7th 2021 at their 1,700-acre hunting lodge property known as Moselle. That property is in Islandton, South Carolina. The trial is being held in the rural town of Walterboro, which is 50 miles west of Charleston in the Low Country. It's a region in which the Murdoch family has wielded immense judicial and political power for more than three decades. In fact, in the courtroom where Alec Murdoch sits, a portrait of his late grandfather, the longtime 14th Circuit solicitor Buster Murdoch Jr., had hung on the wall. That portrait was removed ahead of Alec's trial. Note that if Alec Murdoch is found not guilty for his wife and son's deaths, he's still not fully off the hook for potential criminal deeds. He'll still have to face the 100, you heard that right, 100, additional criminal charges he's facing, which range from drug trafficking to allegations that he stole nearly $9 million from clients and other attorneys. At the time of Paul and Margaret's deaths, Alec Murdoch was allegedly dealing with a years-long opioid addiction, major debts, a crumbling marriage, and his son Paul's own legal troubles stemming from the 2019 boat crash in which 19-year-old Mallory Beach lost her life. Prior to Paul's boat crash, Alec Murdoch had been able to allegedly manipulate the justice system and coax other people to his will with little to no accountability. However, all of that changed in 2019 when Mallory Beach died. No one was going to step down and be intimidated by this elite family of high-powered lawyers. In this case, where Alex has been charged with his wife and son's deaths, the prosecutors are alleging that Murdoch lured Maggie and Paul to Moselle on the evening of June 7, 2021, in order to do them in. The prosecutors are claiming that Murdoch committed the gruesome acts against Maggie and Paul in a bid to gain sympathy and to distract others from years of his alleged financial misdeeds. Lending credence to the prosecution's theory are the fact that court-ordered mediation in Paul's boat crash lawsuit failed two days before he died. When that mediation failed, it meant that Paul would have likely been facing a trial for the three felony counts he was charged with, 
in association with that crash. Those three charges also translated into the possibility that if Paul was found guilty, he would be facing a maximum of 26 years in prison. Paul was, by all accounts, highly intoxicated at the helm of the boat when he allegedly, deliberately drove the boat at a high rate of speed into a bridge piling, causing several of the boat's passengers to be flung into the dark waters. Mallory Beach was one of those passengers, and unlike her friends, she tragically did not surface. Alec Murdoch had also been confronted the day before Paul and Maggie died by a staffer at his family's law firm, PMPED, about missing fees in the amount of $792,000. The staffer was wondering where those monies were, and Alec seemed to be the person who had received and deposited the check without letting anyone at the firm know about it. On June 7, 2021, Alec Murdoch had to have been feeling stressed over that confrontation at work and over Paul's impending trial. If we look at all the charges Murdoch is facing, although he's innocent until proven guilty, he is facing a huge battle, even if these 12 jurors in this case find him innocent. Murdoch will still have to confront those 100 additional criminal charges. By the way, on September 3rd of 2021, a few months after his wife and son died, Alec was allegedly shot by a 61-year-old ex-client named Curtis Smith. Alec sustained only a slight grazing, and it would later come out that he'd hired Smith to do him in in a bid to secure a $10 million life insurance payout for his remaining son, Buster. And a day before this crazy caper, Alec was forced out of the family law firm due to those allegations about misappropriated funds. Money troubles seem to be a constant theme of Alec Murdoch's adult life. If we look at the totality of Alec Murdoch's current legal situation, he is in what you call deep doo-doo. It's hard to imagine him getting away without significant time in prison. One thing Alec Murdoch doesn't have to worry about, though, is the death penalty. The state prosecutors decided back in 2022 not to seek the death penalty, stating, and I quote, after carefully reviewing this case and all the surrounding facts, we have decided to seek life without parole for Alec Murdoch, end quote. And that's a good thing because no matter how Murdoch is judged and no matter what he's been accused of, he is his eldest son Buster's only remaining parent. With all that out of the way, let me share what I consider the seven most damning pieces of evidence against Alec Murdoch in this case thus far. I'm going to start at number seven and work my way up to number one, which will be the most damning piece of evidence. Seven. Alec Murdoch, in his first interview with a SLED officer and with a Colton County Sheriff's officer on the night of June 7th, when Paul and Maggie died, 
when asked how his relationship was with his wife, says this. Seeds got sprayed and died, and he was refiguring to do, to plant the sunflower seeds. So I came back up here, and I drove up and saw and called. Had Maggie and Paul been arguing over anything? No. What was their relationship like? Wonderful. Wonderful. How about yours and Maggie's? Wonderful. I mean, I'm sure we had little things here and there, but we had a wonderful marriage, wonderful relationship. And yours and Paul's relationship? As good as it could be. In case you didn't hear that clearly, Alec described his relationship with Margaret as wonderful. He said they had little things here and there, but overall they had a wonderful marriage, wonderful relationship. Alec also implies that his wife, Margaret, was living full-time with him at the Moselle property at the time of her death. He mentions her getting home around 8.15 p.m. The truth of the matter is that Margaret was living at the family's Odesto Beach property at the time of her death. In fact, Alec actually had to lure her to Moselle that night. Now, according to articles that appeared in Fitz News, unnamed sources said to be close to the Murdoch family revealed that Margaret had reportedly gone to see a divorce attorney six weeks prior to her death. In addition, Alec was said by that source to have been allegedly having an affair with a female attorney. A source close to the Murdoch family told the Daily Mail that Alec and Maggie's marriage was in crisis and that they had reportedly argued over money and his drug use in the weeks before Margaret's death. Margaret was demanding answers about their dwindling funds. Source said, and I quote, Alec and Maggie didn't look at each other like they were married. There was no love lost between them. I never saw them touch or be affectionate to each other. I remember one say, it must have been a few months before she was killed, Maggie was crying, because she had written a check at a charity luncheon, and it had bounced. She thought at first there must have been some mistake, but when she found out there wasn't, she was mortified and upset, end quote. This same source said that Margaret consulted a forensic accountant to dig into the family finances. So why would Alec tell the police officers that his marriage and relationship with Margaret were wonderful? To me, this deception shows that Alec didn't want law enforcement to know the actual state of his marriage, and he knew that if he told them the truth, he would be seen as having a motive for wanting to get rid of Margaret. Number six, bullet casings found on the 1,700-acre Moselle property where Alec lived matched those found around Margaret's body. This suggests that Margaret was killed by a family weapon. Per the prosecution, Alec could not account for two of three rifles that he purchased in recent years. Also, empty boxes of ammunition were found on the Moselle property that were the same brand and type as those fired into Paul and Margaret's bodies. Note that this vast hunting property 
is remote, 65 miles from Charleston. It's not the type of place that a stranger would just happen upon and decide to head into to try to find some random people to harm. 5. When Alec dialed 911 on the night of the crime, he told the operator that he tried to take Margaret and Paul's pulses. Note that when the first officer arrived on scene, he said the injuries to Paul and Margaret were so catastrophic that it was obvious they were no longer breathing. Why would Alec, who readily admitted to officers in his first interview on the night of the crime, that he saw a large part of Paul's head down at his ankles, think that either Paul or Margaret could have a pulse when it was so obvious to the officers that they were deceased. Also, when the officers arrived, they didn't see any blood on Alex's hands, his clothing, or his shoes, despite him saying he'd touched both Paul and Maggie. Both victims were saturated in blood, and there were pools of the red stuff surrounding their bodies. There's no way Alec could have avoided getting some of that on him. 4. When Alec greeted the first officers on the scene after dialing 911, he was wearing what appeared to be a spotless white t-shirt. To the visible eye, he was absolutely clean and he had no speckles of blood on him, on his hands, or the shirt. We just talked about how difficult it would have been for him to avoid getting blood on himself after touching his wife and son. Well, guess what? Paul Murdoch took two Snapchat videos on the evening he died. One of them, recorded at 7.56 p.m., shows his father, Alec, helping plant a tree. Alec is clearly wearing a light blue shirt in that video. This proves that Alec changed clothes at some point between 7.56 p.m. and 10.26 p.m. when the first responders arrived at Moselle on the night of the crime. Also, that white t-shirt that appeared to be so spotless? Well, when it was tested by crime scene investigators, they found spots that could be blood, but they could also be rust or bleach. Probably blood, though, right? 3. A raincoat that was covered in gunshot residue was located at Alec's parents' home in Varnville. Alec readily admitted to the police that he visited his dementia-stricken mother at her home on the night that Paul and Margaret died. In fact, Alec has tried to use that 20-minute drive to and 20-minute drive back from his parents' house as an alibi, saying he could not have harmed his son and wife because he wasn't at Moselle when they died. However, Paul and Margaret went silent on their cell phones, beginning at about 8.49 p.m. This indicates they were unable to answer or place calls or texts because they were likely no longer alive. Alec did not leave Moselle for his parents' house until 9.06 p.m. That's when his car was fired up for the drive to Varnville. 9.06 p.m. is also coincidentally when Maggie's cell phone orientation shifted to portrait, indicating the phone was in someone's hand. Between the gunshot residue on the raincoat and the timeline Alec provided, it would appear that he was likely at Moselle when shots rang out. In his second interview with law enforcement, 
Alec Murdoch was caught on tape saying this. That audio was slowed down. What the sled officer Jeff Croft heard and what I also heard was Alex saying, I did him so bad in reference to Paul's death. We heard from the first officers on the scene how Paul was found. It's one of the most horrific injuries I've ever heard described. Paul also sustained a blast to his chest. Alex saying he did him so bad in my opinion, is him acknowledging that he's responsible for Paul's grotesque and traumatic injuries. 1. The 58-second Snapchat video that Paul Murdoch took on the night of the crime at 8.44 p.m. at the Family Dog Kennels. 8.44 p.m. was just five minutes before Paul and Margaret's cell phones locked, and when the two victims went completely silent never to use their phones again. In Paul's Snapchat video, we hear three voices, Paul's, his mother Maggie, and a third male voice. Two witnesses told the court this past Wednesday that they are 100% certain that Alec Murdoch's voice is the third one heard in the Snapchat video. Those witnesses are Paul's close friend, Rogan Gibson, and another of Paul's friends, Will Loving. Gibson, who described the Murdochs as being like a second family to him, appeared very choked up while on the stand discussing Paul's untimely death. His voice actually cracked, too, when he was asked to point out the person in the courtroom whose voice he heard in the Snapchat video. I believe that cracking was from fear. Who could blame Rogan Gibson for maybe being fearful of Alec Murdoch at this point. The two charges he's facing are enough to make anyone who's testifying on the prosecution's side tremble. Gibson and Loving's testimony that the male voice belongs to Alec undermines Alec's own statements to law enforcement that he was not at the scene of the crime when his wife and son were so brutally harmed. In my opinion, this is the smoking gun evidence of this case. If Alec was at the crime scene when the crime went down, there's simply no way of explaining that away. There's also the lie he told the police that he wasn't there. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Hey, do me a favor. Smash that like button. Subscribe to my channel. Leave me a comment. Consider a membership. And I'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.